Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Spiritual Insights with Charlotte Spicer. Spirituality and Metaphysics Talk Radio, featuring a course in miracles, dream interpretation, guided meditation, and the psychic and metaphysics free-for-all. It's your opportunity to consult with a professional psychic medium, discuss past lives, the chakras, and more. We are non-denominational, and there are no limits. Want to change your life? You must first change your mind. 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 No matter your religious structure, cultivate peace in your reality through self-awareness with an authentic spiritual teacher. And now, your host, Charlotte Spicer. at the age of 20 by Judy Scotch and became a close friend and protege of Dr. Bill Sefford, co-scribe of the course. Dr. Bob is the author of From Plagues to Miracles, The Transformational Journey of Exodus, From the Slavery of Ego to the Promised Land of Spirit, published by Hay House, and the book reinterprets, and the book reinterprets the biblical story of Moses and Pharaoh as a parable of the mind's struggle to escape ego and identify once again with spirit. It is recommended you read this book prior to studying A Course in Miracles or to effortlessly deepen your understanding of the abstract concepts presented in the course. If you would like to connect, you can visit FromPlaguesToMiracles.com. There you can read excerpts and purchase From Plagues to Miracles. There is also ACIM.org, as in A Course in Miracles.org, ACIM. Learn more about the course and purchase your copy. You can also visit spiritualinsightsradio.com, where you can review archives of our large body of work since 2013. Social media users can connect with us on our Facebook pages, From Plagues to Miracles, and Spiritual Insights Radio. You can catch up on recent segments, segments from two years ago, on the page. It's all together there. Well, today we continue to, to explore Chapter 17, which focuses on forgiveness and the holy relationship. In our last segment, we offered our our in our last segment, we offered our interpretations of the first several paragraphs in Section 3, Shadows of the Past. Today, we'll pick up with Paragraph 3 and continue and see where that will lead us. Well, let's welcome Dr. Bob back to the show. Hello, Dr. Bob. How are you? Hi, Char. I'm good. Uh, thanks. Um, been a while, but... Uh, people are listening archived it won't matter because time doesn't matter in that world <laughs> but i'm good i'm good i've been very very busy crazy busy but uh but good good oh i have been too and everybody is aware of my situation and uh okay. the struggles that come along with that and so i've done several segments where we discussed things such as 
holding space for transformation and um, how you get through a time like this, how you focus on the present mm. and how you, um, as I say, you, you look for the beauty in the situation. And so I've been pretty, pretty successful with it. I have my moments, you know, I certainly have my moments and my bad days, but it's been an interesting journey. And it has, it's one of those things, Dr. Bob, where, okay, you know, the material, you sure you know the material? <laughs> Here's your final exam. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, it, you know, you got to walk your walk and, and you're going to do what you know to do on how to fix these things. What's interesting is that this year, this experience is just so much more intense than things in previous years that I probably would have complained about and pulled my hair out about, you know what I mean? <laughs> but this is on a whole new level. And I'm well, reminded of, what's that? I was going to say you get to sort of see your progress uh, in that way when you realize, wow, two years ago I would have pulled my hair out and I'm doing pretty well with it. Exactly, yeah. And I'm reminded of one day in particular. It keeps coming to mind. It was a really, really bad day. I was, you know, just despondent and what's the future look like and what does this all comes all that comes with a tumultuous, devastating experience. And so I was driving and it takes an hour and a half to get to the treatment center. And I was driving home. And I was thinking about all this negative and dark and upsetting stuff. And we went down a back road, and it's a winding road, and there's a canopy of trees over the road. And when I looked up, all I could say, all, all I could say to myself was, "Look, look at how the sunlight comes through the trees like that. Isn't it beautiful?" And it turned everything around. So I keep that in mind, and that's how I try to look at everything. Look for the beauty of it, and do not let go of that place in you that found that inner peace because you need it now more than ever, you know? Well, and that's relevant to the section we're going to be reading. <clears throat> One technical comment, you, um, the introduction, I could not understand anything until about halfway through my bio where suddenly it kind of came back together. It was all sort of broken up and it, still feels like it's going in and out a little bit. Um, so if, okay. if, if I'm losing you, I'm going to just jump right in and say, Shar, I can't hear you if that's okay. Yeah, no problem. And um, uh, I didn't get a chance to tell you everything. What I did was I set this up as a private segment so oh, that okay, we can handle this. We can say whatever we want, and I, all I have to do is edit it. All right? That's great. Because it seems okay. like when I speak, I lose you, so I'm going to try very hard not to interrupt you. Okay. First thing I'm going to do is turn off the ceiling fan. Oh, and I and I I know I have my um, prayer book with me. Oh, but the, uh, choose I, once again, you mean? Yeah, the choose once again, but I couldn't locate that in the last five minutes, so I'm going to skip the prayer today. And okay, I am or going if to you want, I'll pick something phone. out. Oh, okay. So yeah. I'm going to go from the head, headset to back to the phone because I've been using that. Good. And it's working out better. So I'm going to do that now. Bear with me one second. Okay. And then we can pick up. And what I'll do is I'll reread the intro. Okay. And, um, 
Yeah, I figured you could do that on your own yep. and just, you know, dub it in. I mean, edit well, the, it in. The hard, <clears throat> well, the hard part is I'll, I'll do it at the end. The hard part is okay. if I do it on a different day, the, the sound is different. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound the same. So what I'll do is after I say be at peace, I'll pause for a few seconds, and then I'll just read the whole intro and then grab it from the end, put it at the beginning, and pull it all together. Perfect. Yeah. Well, you're the pro, okay. not me. I don't know how to do this stuff. <laughs> Aren't I cute? Okay. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> yeah. Let me get the uh, let me get the the earbuds in and the headset off. Give me just one okay. second. Take your time. Helps to take the mute button off. Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's definitely right. better. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why it won't work out with the headset. I've largely given up, and I was just hoping because I like the, the they're comfortable. Yeah. They're really comfortable. Okay. I mean, I, I love my headset. I, I, I don't know what I'd do without this thing. In fact, you just reminded me I need to order a new battery in case it dies because I, I would be lost if... If it uh, died on me suddenly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, I had talked about maintaining inner peace and finding the beauty. How do we want to pick up the conversation seamlessly? We sh- um, yeah, I think I'd said it's relevant to what we're reading today. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe we can pick it up where I can start by saying, you know, shall we review what we covered um, or shall we review the first two paragraphs? Because uh, I don't remember at all what we talked about and I haven't had them. I mean, I could barely have time to even reread the section. Uh, yeah. Just running from one thing to another. So here's here's what sticks in my mind from what we said the last time. Okay. Um, right out of the gate, when we read the first paragraph, you said, Consider what a shadow is when you cast light on something, oh, and so you that's good. you describe the, the physical the, the the physics of creating a shadow. Mm, and then that's we talked good. about the the people. It was very good. And then we talked about how the people in our past are shadow figures because yes. their true meaning is obscured, kind of thing. That's good. Okay. Yeah, it was really good. Well, um, should we summarize? Go you know, go to summarizing that or um, or just jump right in. Uh, I mean, if we start with paragraph three, I mean, I'm almost wondering if that makes sense. Uh, boy, so we spent like an entire segment on two paragraphs, huh? Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but it was that good. I mean, you know, I thought yeah, I, I guess stopped, so. you said – you said I was better than I think, but I was, I was, that was at the, at the time where we had only been three weeks into the diagnosis, hadn't, hadn't gotten treatment yet. And I was like having an out-of-body experience trying to explain this stuff. And I didn't even understand what I was saying, but uh, you said it was much better than I believe. Yeah. I, I remember saying that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I certainly don't remember, and I would, 
if if it was like if I'm sitting here listening to you going, what is she talking about? You know that that <laughs> I, that, that that I would remember um, for yeah. sure. Okay. <laughs> and I don't have let that me, memory, so that's a good thing. <laughs> let me know if that ever happens. Okay. Okay, we'll do. All right. So so to pick up, what I'll do is I'll I'll find where you said, and this is relevant to what we're reading today. Finish what yeah. I said. And let me pause for three seconds and then say, okay, so let's go back. Let's go into today's material, section 17, Three Shadows of the Past, and then we'll just pick right up from there, okay? Perfect. Okay. All right, so let's get into today's material. We are in Chapter 17, Section 3, Shadows of the Past. And in our last segment, we did cover Paragraph 1 and 2, but we can do the highlights for the listeners today and then pick up with Paragraph 3. And what would you like to summarize, Dr. Bob, about Paragraph 1 before we move on? Yeah, I I have to confess I don't recall what we talked about. I mean, when I do these segments, I tend to just let Holy Spirit or Jesus speak through me, and what Mm -hmm. comes out comes out. But the you know, this is this is a remarkable um, section of the text. I mean, one among many. But the line that I have underlined and that I think is just um, very key is forgiveness is a selective remembering based not on your selection, um, because that sets up a lot of the rest of the paragraph. I mean, uh, the rest of the section in terms of the idea, which, again, is repeated throughout the course that the past is over, Um, you know, the past never existed, that the only thing that exists is the present. And therefore, if we let the Holy Spirit help us to forget what never did exist, the past with all of its ugliness, and remember the only thing that we would consider the past that is real, which is the love, there's your selective remembering, then we're able to, you know, experience forgiveness um, and and along with it get to the real world but this section talks about the shadow figures which um, is tough sometimes to make sense of you know and uh, apparently you know the last time I was talking a little bit about you know what a shadow is because a shadow is is an object uh, well and when an object when something blocks the light you get a shadow and it looks real but it's not it, it creeps over reality, it, it colors reality, it affects reality, and you begin to see things that aren't even really there. So, you know, you can have entire shadow plays, but it's not reality. It's a side effect of blocking the light. And I think that if when this section refers to shadow figures, we see it in that way, you know, what are we idealizing what are we holding on to from the past that we would want more than god more than forgiveness well that's what's blocking the light and that's what's creating those shadow figures and in in the sections we're going to be reading it goes on to talk about this specifically in terms of the unholy relationship and i i think it'll be, become clear um Char, what do you uh what do you recall from those, those sessions, the last session? And uh, and then, you know, I guess we can get into uh, leaving that past behind and moving on. Mm-hmm. What do I recall? I, I recall being in a, a very shaken 
uh, state of disbelief, a cancer diagnosis in my family. So um, I did my best to get through the material. Um, What I remember, though, is really making that distinction about how we hold the people of our past, how we hold them so close to us that we allow them to continue to hurt us and the importance of forgiveness and how the Course is trying to help us understand the ego's need for vengeance and how we try to bring those those hurts to the forefront in a, in a present relationship mm. to be addressed and how how the mind plays tricks on you and the ego um, draws you into these unholy relationships trying to make you think it is a holy relationship, but it's not. So we talked a lot about the difference between those two and the ego's use of those shadows to keep you stuck and not let you see the wisdom and forgiveness and, and experience that freedom from the past. That's largely what I remember. Yeah, I'm just going to, you know, a couple of lines are jumping out at me, and I think I'm just going to read those, not to okay. interpret them, but just kind of to provide some sense of context and uh, continuity. So this okay. is from paragraph two, line three. Without exception, these relationships, the shadow figure relationships, these relationships have as their purpose the exclusion of the truth about the other and of yourself. This is why you see in both what is not there and make of both the slaves of vengeance and why whatever reminds you of your past grievances attracts you and seems to go by the name of love, no matter how distorted the associations by which you arrive at the connection may be. In other words, you know, we're just... We're just twisting everything to make it fit our preconceptions or really the ego's um, preconceptions. And then it goes on to tell us, you know, that all such relationships become attempts at union through the body because only bodies can be seen as means for vengeance. Now, when it says union through the body, that doesn't just mean sex, you dirty mind you. It talks (laughs) about the idea that we think we are bodies. So we're trying to achieve union while believing that we're something that's separate and distinct and individual that can't possibly achieve union. So there's the beauty of the ego and all of its craziness. Um, you know, you're trying to achieve union with something that is designed to block the very idea of union. And, and that's what I think it's talking about there. Um, that bodies are central to all unholy relationships is evident. Yes. Um, but we may not realize all the reasons that make the relationship unholy for unholiness seeks to reinforce itself as holiness does by gathering to it what it perceives as like itself. You know, once again, this is the course talks about, you know, what you believe you're going to see, what you desire you're going to see. um, And therefore lies, the ego untruth will reinforce itself by bringing to you the perceptions that justify it. However, um, truth will do the same if you choose that. Mm-hmm. And that gets us to paragraph three. Um, and why don't you, I don't know, do you have, you want to add anything? Otherwise, uh, maybe you can start with three. No, I, I think that's perfect. And I love the sentences that you read because it jumps right into paragraph three from there. And I think what we've said, you know, is we try to illustrate, we do like to try to give people a visual image. Um, I, the only thing I can think to add is when you're with somebody 
and or no, look at someone, look at another couple, and you ever look at another couple and you say, why are they together? What do they see in each other? It's not about outer appearances. It can be, but I'm talking about the energy of that union in an unholy relationship. And I'm talking about a relationship that's obviously, let's look at one that's unhealthy. And so what really stands out in my mind is we see in the other person, you know, what we want for ourselves and what we want to be saved from. And so we get into these unholy relationships, those relationships where we want what the other has, as opposed to extending what we know about ourselves. And when you look at another couple, just look at them and try to think of it in a way that the vibration matches based on their hopes, their fears, their expectations, and their attachments based in the past. That's the only thing I kind of wanted to touch on because we're going to get into a lot of that in the next few paragraphs. Sounds good. Okay. All right. Do you want me to kick it off or do you want to read paragraph three? I have no preference at all. (laughs) Okay. I'll go and then I will read my little interpretation here. Okay. Good, because then I can play off of yours. (laughs) Okay, good. All right, so here's paragraph three, ladies and gentlemen. In the unholy relationship, it is not the body of the other with which union is attempted, but the bodies of those who are not there. For even the body of the other, already a severely limited perception of him, is not the central focus as it is or in entirety. What can be used for fantasies of vengeance and what can be most readily associated with those on whom vengeance is really sought, is centered on and separated off as being the only parts of value. Every step taken in the making, the maintaining, and the breaking off of the unholy relationship is a move toward further fragmentation and unreality. I'll read that again. Every step taken in the making, the maintaining, and the breaking off of the unholy relationship is a move toward further fragmentation and unreality. The shadow figures enter more and more, and the one in whom they seem to be decreases in importance. So here's what I gather from that. Unbeknownst to the conscious mind, the purpose of the unholy relationship is to attempt redemption for the past in the current relationship. The ego allows you to believe that your focus is on the person in front of you, that it's on all that you admire and love about them, all that attracts you to them, and the way you feel in their presence. Hello? I'm here. I think I read that wrong. Hang on one second, please. Okay. I see. Okay. Sorry. Okay, here's what I get. Want to start it over? Yep. Mm -hmm. Unbeknownst to the conscious mind, the purpose of the unholy relationship is to attempt redemption for the past in the current relationship. The ego allows you to believe that your focus is on the person in front of you, that it's on all that you admire and love about them, all that attracts you to them, and the way you feel in their presence, believing that you're in love, quote-unquote, in its purest definition. But our perception of this person is incomplete and imperfect. To the ego, the focus remains in the past and uses those experiences, 
injustices, perceptions, judgments, and outcomes as a weapon to exact a form of retribution and retaliation. But we don't realize the fictional view we hold on them. We think we are operating in the present with this person and no other. The focus, however, is aligned with those elements of the past that we think we've detached from, and we fail to see the value we've placed on those memories or individuals. Every attempt at denying that these experiences continue to thrive in the back of our minds and impact our thoughts, our beliefs, attitudes, and behaviors in the present only serves to reinforce separateness and a false interpretation of the present. The the impressions from past relationships creep in more and more frequently and more strongly until the person in front of you morphs into a representation of something else, someone else, anything but the truth of who they are. And the ego is adept at tricking you into seeing what is not there and disregarding the truth and the light that really is. It persists. It persists in the unholy relationship until the shadow figures of the past finally overshadow your true perception of the person in the present. So it takes these figments of your imagination and overlay it onto the person in front of you until you're seeing something that's not there. That's, that's how I interpret paragraph. Yeah, I, I think that that's accurate. Um, I mean, completely. I will just take it uh, a little wider and say that it's drawing a distinction between unholy relationships and holy relationships, and the ego is only capable of unholy relationships. And I think what this is really trying to tell us is that all of our relationships, which by and large we do deem special, um, are this this ongoing exercise in in fragmentation, I mean, remember, the ego itself is, is, is the offspring of the separation, and it can only, um, it, it only survives in a world that reflects its own, its own separation. So, the, you know, the world of perception is all about fragmentation. You look around, what do you see? You don't see wholeness. You see individual objects you see contours boundaries different colors different things it's all broken up um i think the section called the dynamics of the ego talks about how the ego you know the ego's idea of understanding something is you analyze it you break it down into little bits and you try to understand the bits in order to understand the wholeness what this is telling us is that yeah in our relationships we don't see the whole being there. I won't even say person, because when I say person, now we're thinking a body and a personality, and, right. and that's not the reality of who's there. Um, we're seeing the body, but we don't even see the whole body. We focus, and this is what you were saying, Shar, we focus only on those aspects of the body, the personality, the life story that reinforce our little narrative of vengeance where, oh, I'm trying to compensate for the past in this way. And um, it's funny because I'm, 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 I'm writing a book on relationships now um, with regard to A Course in Miracles. It's probably the most difficult thing I've ever written. And mm. one of the things that I've come to recognize in doing it is that grievances and specialness are really like two halves of the same coin. If you make someone special, at some point that specialness is going to, like, 
you know, abandon you. You're going to find out they're not what you thought. And at that mm-hmm. point, you've got a grievance going. Ah, they disappointed mm-hmm. me. They weren't what I thought. So yeah. um, this whole unholy relationship thing, it's like, yeah, we're using someone else in terms of specialness and falling in love um, or even if, if with a child that you adore and you're idealizing, we're, we're hanging on them like a mannequin, all of the things we love and want and ignoring all of those things that don't fit. But then eventually those things that don't fit come back to haunt us. And now it's like we're disappointed and we're going to end the relationship. When in point of fact, the whole darn journey of relationship wasn't really about union at all. It was about reinforcing the sense of fragmentation. Um, in, In chapter 20 in the section, the temple of the Holy Spirit, it tells us there is no order in relationships. They either are or not. Well, what this section's describing, it's not a real relationship. It's a facsimile of a relationship that the ego holds out to us that, um, that makes us think that we're pursuing union when, in fact, just the opposite is taking place. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's the, the ugly, strange beauty uh, of the ego. Um, mm-hmm. so that, and that gets us to that line that you read twice, which I have, you know, boldly underlined and marked on mm-hmm. the side about every step in the making, maintaining, and breaking off of the holy, unholy relationship is a move toward further fragmentation and reality. Yeah, that's it right there. Um, huh. <laughs> so, and that, and that I, disappointment that we feel when we make someone special, when we put them on a pedestal, and declare to ourselves, oh, this person would never hurt me, and you cannot make such a prediction. And the disappointment comes from the fact that you want from another person what you refuse to give to yourself. And so whether that's love, acceptance, what have you, what it's basically going to come down to in any unholy relationship, as it is in any holy relationship as well, is forgiveness. So you can't get from them the forgiveness that you want for yourself that you refuse to give to yourself or the other. That whole getting principle get what I want, get my needs met, and don't disappoint me, and we can, we can stay in flight on this beautiful trajectory forever. And it just doesn't work that way. We have to really look at what's in front of us. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, that last, the last line, the shadow figures enter more and more, and the one in whom they seem to be decreases in importance. Mm-hmm. That's, that, that, you know, what, what that's saying is, our focus on the past becomes all that we know. And at some point what we're seeing in each and every human being with whom we think we're having a relationship, we're not seeing them for who and what they are anymore. We're only seeing those, those movies of the past. It's like, you know, imagine that your eyes are sets of projectors and you're just projecting onto them your own private movie about who you think they are and what they're all about and in that process, reality disappears. There is no more relationship. You know, you're, it's, it's your ego having a relationship with its own fantasies in order to keep you from recognizing truth. Um, mm. And that's, you know, I mean, when we really think about that, who would want that? I mean, it's kind of like saying we're in a desert and we see mirages and we just keep chasing the mirages. And each time we get there, ah, there's no water, it's just sand, but we keep chasing mm-hmm. it. 
at some mm-hmm. point you might want to say, I'm sick of mirages. Uh, I want to get out of this desert. You know, I want something real. I'd like a real relationship. And that's where the holy relationship comes in. But we're yes. not there yet. We have more to read. <laughs> yeah, and but keep in mind, throughout all of this uh, section, um, ladies and gentlemen, relationships are mirrors. They reflect back to us. And so, as we take this last line about how uh, the one in whom they seem to be decreases in importance, as it, as it says the shadow figures come creeping in more and more frequently, picture that the image in the mirror even though you're looking at the other person. So when those shadow figures come up, that's going to change. It's going to distort what you see in the mirror. Okay? Mm-hmm. So as you look at the other person, what they reflect back to you starts to remind you more and more of your past. Does that make sense, Dr. Bob? How yeah. As yeah. they creep up and they become more and more recognizable as something from the past, but because it's happening in the present, we don't stop and think to, to see it that way. We're looking at the person, but what, what's being reflected back to us back to us, is a much truer version of what's behind us and not what's in front of us. And so that's why it says that it reduces in importance. And it doesn't mean that that person's not important, but to the ego. It's not important to the ego to hold on to some semblance of truth about that person. The ego is more than happy to superimpose all of these reflections and accuse that person of being what was experienced in the past. Yeah. And, and, and the ego wants to distract us from that. And remember the only reality of that other person is that he, she is the son of God. They are the son of God. There, there is no other reality to them. So again, this is really, um, you know, pretty indicting of all of our relationships because oh, I have this kind of relationship with my mom and another one with my brother, and then I've got my set of friends and I've got my colleagues at work. And what the Course is telling us is, yeah, we're just, you know, each one is sort of its own little projector screen onto which we throw different segments of our past. None of them represent the truth behind that projector, which is this, you know, beautiful, glowing, light, love, uh, son of God, which, as you said, Char, it's a mirror. If we can see that, then we also get to experience ourselves as that. When we see instead the shadow figures, then guess what? We start experiencing ourselves as as one of those. You know, we don't recognize our own holiness. Instead, we have our own fragmented sense of who and what we are and what we think we want and need. Mhm. And isn't it kind of funny how? You know, the whole point of life, not the whole point, but the, the biggest relationship in your life is your relationship with yourself. And if you have a terrible relationship with yourself, how absurd is it that you would find perfection in a relationship with another? You know, yeah. it's just, it's kind of silly. It doesn't make yeah. any sense. Well, it's the so. essence of the special relationship. I'm lacking, but you got something I need, and... And then you're looking at me saying the same thing, you know, and so we make this this unholy bargain where, you know, you're going to get from me and I'm going to get from you. And, you know, and it's I mean, it really is kind of a barbaric sac- sacrifice ritual when looked at that way. I mean, we talked about that in an earlier segment when we were doing uh, Chapter 16, where it talks about that in depth. Mm hmm. 
I don't quite remember it, but why don't we go to (laughs) paragraph four and keep going? (laughs) All right. So paragraph four. Time is indeed unkind to the unholy relationship, for time is cruel in the ego's hands as it is kind when used for gentleness. The attraction of the unholy relationship begins to fade and to be questioned almost at once. Once it is formed, doubt must enter in because its purpose is impossible. The, quote, ideal, unquote, of the unholy relationship thus becomes one in which the reality of the other does not enter at all to, quote, spoil the dream. And the less the other reality, and the less the other really brings to the relationship, the, quote, better it becomes. Thus, the attempt at union becomes a way of excluding even the one with whom the union was sought, for it was formed to get him out of it and join with fantasies in uninterrupted bliss. (laughs) So this is just an elaboration of what we were saying in the previous paragraph, but it makes it much, much clearer. Um, So time is unkind to the unholy relationship, Uh, And this relates directly to a line in the section uh, that we read quite a while ago called Bridge to the Real World, where it says time is kind. And if you use it on behalf of reality, it will keep gentle pace with you in your transition. This is saying time is unkind to the unholy relationship. Why? Because being based on nothing but fumes, fantasy, the moment you think you enter into it, it's already dying. You can't sustain the projection mm. of all of the, 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 the fantasies. And, and I mean, where this really goes is it shows the narcissism of the ego, that the ego takes each relationship and it has no interest in that other person, whether at the ultimate level that they're the son of God, the Christ, or whether even at the level of psychology where, oh, I'd like to know what that person's experience is. Um, who are they? I'm interested. I'm curious. I'm, I'm empathetic. The ego doesn't really care about any of that. Um, you know, in fact, uh, what is it? Uh, the ideal of the unholy relationship becomes one in which the reality of the other does not enter at all to spoil the dream. And, you know, we all know people who have these relationships where, um, and again, it's not just a spouse or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a lover. I, I actually think people do this with their children even more, where they project onto their children what they think their children need to be. And when the children seem to live up to that, oh, they love their kids, but boy, when the children deviate and suddenly start doing things on their own or having ideas on their own, wow, you know, I can't believe you're doing this. That parent doesn't have a relationship with that child. That parent has a relationship with their own fantasy of what they needed that child to be to heal wounds from their own past, and that's not a real relationship. So I I think that um, this is a very powerful and um, sort of sobering paragraph in that, you know, it tells us that the ego's attempts at union wind up excluding even the being with whom union is attempted. And therein lies the problem of separation of bodies. You can't get to union and oneness through separation and specialness. You know, you you just can't do it. It's like you can't, you know, you can't learn to dunk a basketball if you're tying 50-pound weights on both your legs. 
um, the one doesn't not only doesn't help you, it makes the other completely impossible. Mhm. Amen. My goodness. Not you, my dear. Oh my goodness. That was. Mm-mm-mm. <laughs> that was delicious. Okay, here's what I have. <laughs> so here's how I here's here's what I pull from this. The improper use of time is the ego's way of keeping you stuck, mired in a paradox filled with absurdity, irony, contradiction, and is completely void of logic, forgiveness, and sanity. Time is the tool the ego uses against you. You who are in an unholy relationship, but charitable to those who use it to their advantage for forgiveness. When the attraction of the formed unholy relationship, right where it begins, right when it's formed. When the attraction of that formed unholy relationship uh, loses, and like you said, right when it's formed, that's where its ending comes in because those doubts creep in. So when the, the relationship loses its sheen and questions begin to enter, uh, one relationship is formed, qualms and reservations begin to surface because the illusory promise of an unholy relationship cannot be fulfilled. An unholy relationship cannot give you what you seek, believing it to be a holy relationship in which the sharpness of the separation and vengeance are softened. The ultimate paradigm the ego strives for, or the thought process by which the ego would have you live, is that the truth of the person you are with, and whether that's in love, family, or any other relationship will never surface to poison your fantasy of perfection and shatter the illusion the ego works so hard to keep intact while denying the truth and the existence of separation. And so, and the less trouble the other person causes in the relationship, meaning those things that bring enlightenment to your awareness and tell you the truth about yourself, the healthier you, be, the healthier you believe this relationship to be. Therefore, the process of coming together with this person becomes a way of avoiding anything about that person that would disrupt the illusions you hold of them and their value in your life. As the last sentence says, for it was formed to get him out of it and join with <laughs> fantasies in uninterrupted bliss. Yeah. Mm. It's kind of funny. Yeah, and and kind of pathetic when you really, you know, yeah. kind of get into it. Like, like, oh, my God, is that what we've been doing all these years? Um and, and why would you continue to want to do this to yourself? Right, right. You know, let's 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 wake the heck up here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, oh my, it's so simple. I know it's not easy to go through, but it, when you break right, it down right. like this, my goodness. You know. Yes. yes. Okay. What do you um? Oh, it's time for paragraph five. Yep. I think we're. And you're up. I think we buttoned that one up. Okay. All yeah. right. Here we go. Paragraph five. How can the Holy Spirit bring his interpretation of the body as a means of communication into relationships whose only purpose is separation from reality? What forgiveness is enables him to do so. If all but loving thoughts have been forgotten, what remains is eternal. And the transformed past is made like the present. No longer does the past conflict with the now. No longer does the past conflict with now. This continuity extends the present by increasing its reality and its value in your perception of it. In these loving thoughts is the spark of beauty hidden in the ugliness of the unholy relationship where hatred is remembered, yet there to come alive as the relationship is given to him who gives it life and beauty. That is why atonement centers on the past 
which is the source of separation, and where it must be undone. For separation must be corrected where it was made. I love this. Mm. Okay, here's what I get. The intention of the Holy Spirit is to bring his interpretation of the body as a means of communication into the relationship. Forgiveness is how he achieves this goal in a relationship whose purpose is to protect you from your own reality. When all vengeful and ugly thoughts are dissolved, what's left is changeless, eternal, and cannot be threatened. No longer do the two timelines clash with ego using the past constantly in an attempt to achieve victory over the present that would reveal to you who you really are. With the conflict and the collision of the two time principles resolved, so with, those, with that clash of the, of the past and the present resolved, into one continuous realization of true reality, its significance increases in your perception and your experience of inner peace. And this is the only way this can occur. With forgiveness, the layers of the unholy relationship that obscure its true meaning of love dissolve in order that the relationship be transformed into its proper expression. Anything else is a distortion of love. Atonement must occur where it began, in the shadows behind you, where the offenses of yesteryear continuously call your name. That's what I get. I don't know where that last part came from, but it felt pretty good. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this is kind of okay, you know, we've seen the um the twisted insanity of the ego's attempts to you know, divert us from union by creating a facsimile of union that'll never work. This paragraph gives us, you know, sort of the refreshing antidote to that whole mess. Um uh, and it it starts off by asking, you know, okay, how does the Holy Spirit bring his understanding of bodies, which reframes them not as a symbol of the ego and a symbol of separation, but as a means of communication. And again, if bodies are communicating, now they are moving towards union and oneness. It's a reversal of direction. So how does he bring that into our special relationships, which have the dedicated purpose to separation? And what the Course is saying is, yeah, you know, the essential nature of forgiveness makes this possible. What does that mean? Well, it's the fact that the past really is over, that it never existed, that the only thing that ever existed were your loving thoughts. Therefore, if the Holy Spirit, remember we go back to uh, paragraph one here, forgiveness is a selective remembering based not on mm-hmm. your selection. <clears throat> if the Holy Spirit is is applying forgiveness for you, and everything else has been forgotten. And I don't think that means like you have complete amnesia and you're stumbling through your life as a blissful idiot. I think what that means is you've just chosen not to value the past anymore. You know, you have forgotten anything that's not loving because it's not relevant to what you want to be and what you want your brother to be. So if all of those have been forgotten, what remains? Well, if if your unloving thoughts are gone, all that remains is the love. And because love is eternal, it doesn't matter whether it seemed to be in the past or whether it's in the present. Um, it, it's just love. Love is love is the stuff of God. Um, love is eternal. So in a sense, we could say, oh, you know, that time in the past where I experienced that, you know, beautiful state of love that wasn't a special relationship and the present where I'm now quote-unquote, remembering that and feeling that, 
it, it, it seamlessly brings the two together. So it, when we forget the past um, and let the Holy Spirit remind us that only our loving thoughts are true, we're actually healing the split between past and present. Um, Mm -hmm. And as the line says, no longer does the past conflict with now. It doesn't conflict because they're both just about love. Um, You know, there's nothing else in it. We're no longer uh, projecting. Remember, I was talking about projectors. We're no longer projecting our own personal past um, and our reconstruction of that onto the other person. We're allowing Mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit to show us um, what's beautiful there. And it says, you know, in these loving thoughts is the spark of beauty. It's hidden in the ugliness of the unholy relationship, but it's there to come alive as we give the relationship to the Holy Spirit. Um, and, you know, and, and then that, the last part, which is kind of interesting, that is why atonement centers on the past, which is the source of separation. Well, you know, this kind of gets us into the whole interesting question of time as the Course understands it, because there is no past. So when it says atonement centers on the past, what it's really saying is atonement is the undoing of our delusion that there even is a past. It's the undoing of the delusion that we believed we separated from God and all that, you know, blossomed uh, this this flower of evil and darkness that blossomed out of that separation i mean the beauty of the atonement the atonement just says you know child of god you remain as god created you none of this happened not one little iota of this world of form made the slightest little dent or even feather impression in god's reality or your reality that's the atonement so by letting the Holy Spirit remind us uh, or select out for us only the loving thoughts, we're, we're also healing time. And remember, that's where the miracle comes in. You know, the Course tells mm-hmm. us that miracles are time-saving devices. Right. And that as miracle workers, it's our job to save time. <clears throat> so when we forgive, when we let the Holy Spirit do this for us, we're actually also healing time and uh, saving time for the separation must be corrected where it was made in our mind that's the past in god's reality it never even happened so that that's kind of what i um extract from that i just want to add a little more to that i really like what you said and then i want to clarify something i want to clarify okay so yeah look at look at forgiveness as light. And so if we were to look at the past and then cast the light of forgiveness upon it, then the shadows would disappear. There would That's be no more good. shadow figures. And then without the shadow figures, what have we to project onto our present relationship? So that right there is a miracle inside the timeline where there's nothing, the main ingredient of those projections is now gone because they don't exist. Right? Yes. Because yes. we've cast light of forgiveness on them and released them from our mind. And now you're, you are empowering your mind to be creative in the present. And you're also reducing the amount of ammunition the ego has to use against you. Okay? Yes. So, thing, you know, hey, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I, well, I was going to go on to something else, so if you want to add to it. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was going to mm-hmm. say... Um, 
I love that. And and if we take it back to um, what we were talking about in the summary of, you know, what are, what is the obstacle that blocks the light and creates the impression of a shadow? Well, it's the past. That's what this is saying, that to the extent that we're focused on and fixated on the past, we only see shadows. And the section is called Shadows of the Past. Um, so it all starts making sense. Uh, remember, at the very beginning of the workbook, I think it's workbook lesson seven, somewhere real early, it says, I see only the past. Because the entire world of perception, not just our unholy relationships, not just our special relationships, but the very world we see is a world of the past. How do we know what anything is except from past experience? You know? Right. Um, so, so the Course is, is it's transcending perception. Uh, that's how forgiveness takes us to Christ's vision. It's transcending time, you know, taking past, present, and future, and pulling them all together into the oneness of love uh, and love's eternal nature. Uh, and it's healing relationship by showing us that relationship is not what, like a dance enacted between two separate bodies with completely different, you know, pasts and ideas of reality. Relationship is the step back towards union, um, which is our true nature as the son of God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, now you can go where you were going. I, yeah, I wanted to clarify something because I know sometimes we might say things that people kind of, you know, kind of squint their eyes and go, well, wait a minute. So I just wanted to touch on that and because we, there's some things we um, believe wholeheartedly in but might forget that it might not translate the way we mean for it to. So when you say that the past isn't real, that it never happened, that's where I want to go. So okay. I just want to say to the listeners that, you know, the past was a series of moments. You are here and now. Right now is real. Two seconds from now, this moment where I just said that will be rendered an illusion. And so, because the the power of now is so strong, as time, as we know it, passes, then those moments are, they become something different. But we can't worship them as though they're as real as this moment now. So that's what we mean when we say, like, the past never happened. Yes, it was real. It happened. Those people said those things. These things happened. That person died. This person was born. It's a, there's a, there is a timeline of factual events. But once it's rendered an illusion, we cannot let it hold power over us, and that's what we're talking about, that something that no longer exists and is in the past has so much power over you that without the power well, of forgiveness, it will continue. Does that make sense? I, I would say that, yes and no. Um, I mean, absolutely. But we have to remember the Course talks to us at two different levels. It talks to us where we live here in this world where, yeah, when I look around, I don't think, oh, I'm seeing only separation. You know, I'm, I'm seeing a bookshelf. I'm seeing a desk. I'm seeing windows, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. um, so it talks to us at this level. And at this level, that is absolutely true. You know, we know um, that we've lived through the past. Uh, we know that the past is what's taken us up to this point. But from the level of God's reality, and that's where, you know, that's where Jesus is when he's talking to us. That's, that's the Holy Spirit's um, existence. It tells us from that perspective, none of what we imagine, none of what we are perceiving 
ever really took place. Now, that doesn't mean that at this level it didn't take place because that would be insane. But what it means is that, and, and this is very important to understanding A Course in Miracles, that, that the essence of forgiveness, of atonement, is this promise, this covenant that says, None of the stuff that seems so horrible, all of the murders, the genocides, the, the losses you've had in your life, the disappointments, they're all part of this nightmare that the ego has dreamed for you and that you have bought into because you have misidentified yourself as the ego, but that's not really who you are. So it's working it from two levels and from, you know, I like to call I call them operating system one and operating system two, OS one right. and OS two. So from OS one, where all is just oneness, no, there is no past. It never happened any more than when you wake up and you go, oh, I had four dreams last night. Well, did those dreams really happen? You know, no, they were in your own mind. And and I don't know if you've ever had the experience, but I've had the experience of a long, complicated dream um, in the morning, and I'm like, oh, my God, that was only three minutes? I felt like, you know, I, I spent two months in that dream. Mm-hmm. So from oh, from operating system one, the past truly is. It's, it's an illusion, just like everything else here. From where right. we live, that's not true. But here's the catch. If you really dig in, we all know that only the present moment exists. You can't be anywhere but the present. It's right. it's one of the few things we all it may be the only thing that we all have absolutely in common. You know, you cannot live outside the present moment and yet none of us really live there. You know, the course talks about time uh in I I I think it's chapter 13 or 14 or 15. Um, it says, yeah, you know, what the ego does is it elevates the past it makes it real. And then it determines the future based on the past. And it tries mm-hmm. to use past and future to completely squeeze out the present. And that's right. what we do. You know, I mean, I get up in the morning. I'm not thinking about, oh, this present moment is wonderful. It's like, oh, well, what do I have to do today? And what did I do yesterday? And what, you know, we, we build in this continuity. Right. So at the level where we live, yes the past happened. So uh, I agree. I don't want anyone to think that we're psychotically in denial about any of that. Right. But, yeah. but at the metaphysical level of God, oneness, the Holy spirit, the Christ mind, no, it didn't happen. It's, it's your own illusion. And that's part of the problem is, is, you know, illusions will seem different for each person. The truth is the same for all. Right. Um, right. Yeah. And, and the course, you know, says, you know, it talks about dreams a lot because this is, you know, the, the illusion of the body it mentions and, and the illusion of this world because this is basically a projection. It's, so it's our soul in a biophysical suit in this projection of a world that is that can be seen differently by each individual based on their perceptions. So that's the big illusion we're talking about. Yeah. I just, I just wanted to kind of touch on that. And I, yeah. I couldn't let it go with saying we totally get it. We think the same way. But if we really get into the course material, we're talking about souls having a quote-unquote lifetime in the body, which is really, I think, a projection that you think is real. And that when you die, you wake up in the consciousness, which is oneness. And so practicing that oneness, unity, the light, the forgiveness in this illusion is the best way to escape the effects of the illusion. 
that's all. Right, because if you otherwise, you know, the Course talks about death as sort of the ego's ultimate confirmation that you really are a body. See, you're a body. You're going to die. Mm-hmm. Whereas, um, no, you know, I mean, there's more and more evidence that, that death isn't an end, that, that, that the essence of what we are survives death. But if you've got all of these attachments, if you've got all of these complicated, you know, karmic entanglements, basically, that you formed while you were here and believed were real, those don't just go poof. Um, you, you know, mm-hmm. you really need to sort of, as you said, Char, shine the light on each one so that the shadows disappear. And then when the shadows are all gone and you're not seeing them anymore, all of your projections that you overlaid on the world, you've, you've taken back um, and allowed the Holy Spirit to shine through. Well, at that point, when you make a choice to leave the body, now it's a very different kind of a thing. And the oneness of, of your true self with God, you know, there's nothing else left but that. I mean, you were already experiencing it here. That's what the Course calls the real world, and we read about it in the uh, previous section. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right. <laughs> All right. That was but, good. yeah, I'm glad you brought it up because someone who doesn't know the Course well might be listening and going, you know, what the heck are they talking about? It makes no sense. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't want them to get turned off to it because there's so right. much to, to gain from all this. But, you know, we we get it. You know, over time, you can say things like that and not get, not not have it feel like a contradiction. Yes, so, exactly. Right. Well, look, well, from the perspective of the world, the course is perfectly insane. Um, right. But from the perspective of the course, the world is perfectly insane. So how do you know which is real? Well, when you start putting the Course's teachings into practice, especially by doing the workbook lessons, mm-hmm. all of a sudden things start feeling better, working better. There's more love. Um, problems kind of just, you know, they disappear in ways that you could never have imagined. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, if I'm putting that into practice and this is the result, maybe that is the accurate picture of things. And what I've believed in the struggle and the suffering and the planning and the fear, maybe that's the illusion. And, you know, that's the good news. That's what Jesus came here to try to teach. And um, and unfortunately, that, that original teaching got a little bit corrupted. Just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My uh, goodness. Yeah, but right. that's what it's about. Okay. How are so, we doing time-wise? Should I keep going? or We're about at the hour. Because I know we started want? late. Yeah, we did. Let's do one more. You want to do one more? Okay, we can do one yeah, more, and, and then we'll much... go. Yeah, hmm? not, then, we, then we can finish it um, in the next uh, segment. Okay, yeah, let's do paragraph oh. six. Okay. Six, the ego seeks to resolve its problems, not at their source, but where they were not made, and thus it seeks to guarantee that there will be no solution. The Holy Spirit wants only to make his resolutions complete and perfect, and so he seeks and finds the source of problems where it is, and there undoes it. And with each step in his undoing is the separation more and more undone, and union brought closer. He is not at all confused by any reasons for separation. All he perceives in separation is that it must be undone. Let him uncover the hidden spark of beauty in your relationships and show it to you. 
Its loveliness will so attract you that you will be unwilling ever to lose the sight of it again. And you will let this spark transform the relationship so that you can see it more and more. For you will want it more and more and become increasingly unwilling to let it be hidden from you. And you will learn to seek for and establish the conditions in which this beauty can be seen. So what's this paragraph saying? I mean, again, it's, it's a further extension of, of, of what we've been reading. Um, the ego seeks to resolve, and it puts resolve in quotes, its problems not at their source, but where they were not made. <coughs> oh, excuse me. In other words, <coughs> the ego isn't trying to solve anything. <laughs> it's not trying to resolve anything. You can't solve a problem by fixing it where it didn't happen. You know, it's like, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, your car broke down on, you know, I-95, and you're going to go fix your car over here in California on I-5. I mean, you're not going to find your car. can't fix the problem. Mm -hmm. So the ego is really trying to make sure that there won't be a solution. It's got its own self-interest to take care of, quite literally. But the Holy Spirit has just the opposite goal. The Holy Spirit seeks and finds the source of problems where it is. Now, this is a really interesting sentence. I want to focus on it. Finds the source of problems where it is and there undoes it. So we're talking about problems, but he, which is a plural, because we think we have myriad problems. You know, they go on and on. The Holy Spirit seeks and finds the source, singular word, of problems where it is and there undoes mm. it. This resonates with um, Lesson 79, which tells us, you know, let me recognize the problem so it can be solved. And it goes Mm. into great detail about how we think we have all of these problems, but they really all come from one source. And that is the separation, Uh, the idea that we've forgotten our reality. We don't know who we are. Um, We're suffering from a bad case of mistaken identity. And and all else comes from that. The Holy Spirit solves that problem. He um, oh. he undoes the problem at its source, and by shining that light, by bringing, um, by revealing to us that hidden spark, which is all we see anymore of the blazing, amazing light, brighter than any sun, which is the truth of our our brothers and sisters and the truth of us. By, by letting us see a little bit more and a little bit more of that spark, we start to realize, oh, I love that. I want that. I want it more and more. And if I want it, I can't be seeing all of, this, all of these shadows from the past. You can't see a spark of light through a, a, you know, through a shadow. If the light's there, the shadow's not. If the shadow's there, the light's not. I mean, it's one way or the other. And, and what this is saying is, you know, let the Holy Spirit uncover the hidden spark of beauty in your relationships and show it to you. Its loveliness will so attract you that you will be unwilling ever to lose sight of it again. In other words, once we get a little taste of this, this isn't addictive. This is the recognition of, oh, my God, that's real. That feels great. That feels better. This is the true movement towards union that we have to undertake if we're going to um, ever wake up and we can't be happy unless we begin to move in this direction because the ego and happiness, they're opposites. They're um, antithetical. Um, But but once we see the spark, we'll want it more and more. 
Okay. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Well, I'm glad you brought up Lesson 79. Let me recognize the problem so it can be solved. I, I suggest everybody read that. Even if I you're agree. not up to that lesson, uh, if you're doing the lessons, if you're not up to that, that's okay. I'm not asking you to do the lesson, but I want you to see the text, the explanation. Yeah. Because I just want to read a couple sentences. That is the position in which you find yourself now. You have the answer, but you're still uncertain about what the problem is. A long series of different problems seems to confront you, and as one is settled, the next one and the next arise. There seems to be no end to them. There is no time in which you feel completely free of problems and at peace. Bam. So I I want you to go read those and see what he has to say because I think that really paints the picture of how a lot of us are feeling right now. Yeah. If it's it's one thing after another, and if it's not one thing, it's another, you know? And this this year, this time, has been very uh, intense in that, in that assault of all these problems. Yes. So, yeah, absolutely go read Lesson 79. Let me give my take on this. What I, what I got out of this, and it's, it, it goes in line with a lot of stuff that I do on the show. So that's why I like this paragraph so much. The whole point of this section is to help you understand the role that the past plays in your psyche and how the ego uses it against you, tricking you into believing one thing and then changing it when you become wise to the truth. Because the ego directs you to correct your problems in the present. It effectively gets you to avoid looking inward to the past to find the source of the problem, which is the only place it can be corrected. So, reinforcing what was said in the previous paragraph, correcting the past is the only way to correct the present. The illness or dis-ease or unease of the present being the effect, the past being the cause, and forgiveness being the cure. And so I want to sideline on this. This is why on the show I focus so heavily on this for other segments. I understand we all have an impulse to want to escape a problematic or unsatisfying present and embrace some fantastical future that will heal all of our wounds. But what I do, Dr. Bob, for the, especially for the shows where people can call in for mm-hmm. our help, um, I have them focus on the foundation and the origination of the problem in the past so that it can be healed here and now. This is why I do this, ladies and gentlemen, this concept right here, because calling in to say, when am I going to get a job? I could tell you, but I'm not going to help you, and I want to help you. So to help you is to help you heal what's preventing you from manifesting that job. That's why I do this. That's why I have everybody phrase their questions in the proper way, the way you would course material. It's what's, what's blocking me from manifesting what I desire rather than when am I going to find the love of yeah. my life. So everybody calls in, and they so... Uh, they do such a great job at, at phrasing their questions so that I can go in and go to the past and see where this started. What is the real problem here? And I just love it. So I wanted to just uh, do a little sidebar, ladies and gentlemen, in case you wonder why I do that. I don't often explain it. This is why, because I'm trying to help you correct what can be corrected so that you can see your presence differently. That sums it up. So getting back to my interpretation, what we want to do is invite the Holy Spirit in to help you uncover, uncover the truth of love and allow you to see it truly, and no imitation of it will ever seem attractive to you again. The more you embrace truth and allow yourself to see it, 
you'll you'll find your willingness to see it. You'll find your willingness to see what else there is to be discovered about your misperceptions of love and relationships increasing. So that is to say, the more you accept it, the more you embrace it, the willingness grows as well. And then if you come to a point where you can say, okay, I'm in conflict, I'm, I'm upset, or I'm happy, I'm unhappy. And you can go through the motions. But as you do this, you'll find that there is a shorter and shorter amount of time that passes until you say, I can see peace instead of this. I'd rather go back to peace. I'm not in peace right now. I'm going, I'm going back. And so you can do that in your mind and get the – there is some technique to it. But you get to the point where as long as you're willing, that, that grows. Everything grows increasingly. Does that make sense, Dr. Bob? Yeah. I, I mean, you know, you can look at it from two different perspectives. <clears throat> if you're in pain, you want to get out of pain. When you figure out how to get out of pain, you're going to want to apply that more and more the next time you're in pain. Right. And the other side, if you find something that feels good, that, that, that allows you to have a sense of peace, of happiness, of fulfillment, um, you will likewise want to apply that more and more when, um, what, in more and more circumstances. So the, the better our ability to see that spark in, of, of holiness in someone else by using the Holy Spirit's vision, um, if we can see it in one person, the odds are much greater that we'll see it in someone else. Mm-hmm. And if we see it in them, then you know we begin to extend it. And, and, and this is kind of like... I mean, envision if each person starts to do this more and more, there's like this interlocking, you know, beaming stuff of these beams of light going back and forth. And at some point, they're not beams anymore. It's just, it's a world that's full of light. And that's where we want to live. Yeah. We need that right now. Yeah. Change the world. Yeah. I had one more um, interpretive statement to make. Mm -hmm. I have then understand where to look. Then you understand where to look. So we learn, okay, okay, where do I look to find that? So you learn how to, where to look and how to set the conditions. And by conditions, I, I see that as the required alignment uh, of uh, mental, emotional, and spiritual are those three aspects of ourselves. When we get those kind of into alignment, I see that as um, the positive conditions. Um, in order for us to see and experience the beauty of true love. And mm. having that experience will lead you to true bliss and not the facsimile of it that the ego has until now convinced you is real and forever has you chasing. So, and I, I was, it's funny, I love the word facsimile and you used it a couple times and I was like, yeah, oh, I, I know it's coming. <laughs> but, I, but it's so perfect for this context. But yeah, the more you embrace it, the more you allow yourself to see it the more your willingness increases. And so when you see that beauty and you're in pain, then you say, okay, what are you going to do? Am I going to stay where I am? Am I going to wallow in this? Or am I going to be willing to, to get myself out of it the proper way? And you find that more and more um, it's not as scary, that willingness. Miracles are easy. Yeah. It's the willingness that scares the hell out of you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, yeah, we don't want to give up our our little world uh, because 
gee, we think we know how it works. You know, the Course says that, you know, change is frightening to the separated. That's us, because our first experience of change was separating from God. So we assume that anything that changes us or changes our world is going to do it for the worse. And, and you know, you see this everywhere. I mean, you see pictures of people living in, what, like Bangladesh, and they've got a little cardboard tent hut that's, you know, barely big enough to sleep in. But, you know, they'll... Mm-hmm. They'll fight and kill to preserve that place. Don't 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 take it away and give them a palace instead. Um, so yeah, we we resist. And yet, and this is what we were saying earlier. When you actually have the experience and go, oh, that worked better. You know, yes. I I I I, I change. I mean, the course says, seek not to change the world. Choose to change. Choose instead to change your mind about the world, not directly with your, you know, what your uh, your lead in is, Char, for the whole show. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, change your mind. Well, I have seen over and over with, um, you know, course students, with, with people I've worked with in psychotherapy, when they let go of the grievance and change their mind about not just the person, but what they thought the purpose of that relationship was, all of a sudden that person starts showing up in a different way. There's no explanation mm-hmm. for it. There's no rhyme or reason. It's, it's not caused by anything. It, it's like reality just took this jump into another timeline. And suddenly that person that you thought was a total dick, suddenly no. they're, they're talking to you like, like, like they care about you or like you're a, a real person. Um, yeah. I, I've just seen it over and over. And again, it's one of those things <laughs> that confirms for me that the course's view is, is accurate and not ours. But to get there, and this goes back to your, um, your, your, side, your side segue there, Char. Yeah, yeah, we believe the past is real. And sometimes you do have to look back and go, all right, what happened? And what belief did I form from that event that is still blocking me? Um, from getting what I want or what I think I want. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, because if you have a belief that, oh, life is hard or every time I, you know, I I go out with someone, you know, three dates and they dump me or whatever, that belief becomes another shadow figure in a way. You have taken Mm -hmm. the past and interposed it on the present. And now all you're doing is confirming that the present is like the past because you've made it that way, but you don't see that you've made it that way. So, um, yeah, we do have to sometimes look at what we consider our past experience because we still hold it as real in order to free it up at that point, which then allows us to behave more freely in the present. Um, I mean, I have to believe that, too, because I, you know, was a psychotherapist for 30 plus years and, 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 you know, psychotherapy does focus on the past. But if you're just analyzing it, like to get in there and find out what was wrong with you, that's not going to help. You know, you've got to look at what, where, where did something that happened convince me to buy into a particular belief that I now accept as real, but which absolutely may not be. Because if the past isn't real, then anything that happened that is locking that belief in, you know, would be different. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Those decisions, those decisions are very powerful. And it touches on the healing work that I do because – what I've been doing with clients is working in the subconscious mind and dealing with conditions, there's that word again, conditions of the subconscious mind where we have attachments to certain outcomes, experiences, or feelings. 
And so um, we can have an attachment to the disappointment associated with chasing after success and failing. And so we become attached to those things. So if you look at your life and you see a pattern, consider then that you have an attachment to that feeling, to the, to the place where you wind up over and over again trying to understand why is this happening to me again. So in that place, do your, do your best to really see what, what keeps coming to me, and that's what you're attached to, okay, whether it's failure, sadness, depression, or, um, you know, all the other myriad things I'm uncovering on people. But I have an anecdote, and I won't mention names, but one of, one of my clients, I did some work on her in this regard. She had worked at the same company a very long time. I'm, I'm talking 10 to 13 years. There's one person in her office, absolutely did not get along. Every time either one of them, were, when they were both in the room, it's like the temperature of the room went down considerably. Mm-hmm. There was so much tension. So I did the session with her. I did the work, heart center, uh, subconscious, what have you. She went into work the next day and for the first time in 13 years had a pleasant conversation with the lady, and the lady wound up inviting her out to lunch. There you go. That's beautiful. Yeah, cause I was thrilled when she wrote me and told me that happened. Yeah. That's good stuff, Maynard. When we change our mind, the outer world, which we thought was real and solid like concrete, no, it's not. It it reshapes itself and reconfigures itself to fit what our current belief is. So the more that your belief is that you are um, here to bring love and that you therefore want to experience the love that is you, the more you're going to be seeing that and the more you're going to be giving it and the more you're going to be um, getting it for yourself too. Uh, Mm -hmm. What goes around comes around, whether it's the good Mm -hmm. stuff or the bad stuff. (laughs) And what you believe you perceive and what you resist persists and all those other cute phrases. All those other, yes, right. (laughs) (laughs) All all those other little badminton phrases, boom, it's fun. Well, okay, and are you going to do the prayer today? Yeah, I would love to read um, a little prayer. Uh, I I didn't get the Bill's book, but um, I just sort of opened at semi-random to um, one of the shorter workbook lessons, uh, which I'll read. Okay, that'll do. Um, If people want to know, this is lesson 337, and um, I'm going to read the whole thing, both the 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 prayer part and the other part and the the other part. Three thirty seven. Yeah, my okay. sinlessness protects me from all harm. <clears throat> Say that again. My sinlessness protects me from all harm. My sinlessness ensures me perfect peace, eternal safety, everlasting love, freedom forever from all thought of loss, complete deliverance from suffering. And only happiness can be my state, for only happiness is given me. What must I do to know all this is mine? I must accept atonement for myself, and nothing more. God has already done all things that need be done, and I must learn I need do nothing of myself, for I need but accept myself, my sinlessness created for me, now already mine, to feel God's love protecting me from harm, to understand my father loves his son, to know I am the son my father loves. You who created me in sinlessness are not mistaken about what I am. 
I was mistaken when I thought I sinned, but I accept atonement for myself. Father, my dream is ended now. Amen. 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 My goodness. <clears throat> well. It's a good one. Fabulous. All right. Well, we kind of we kind of uh, a little differently this time. Let me let me say what I usually say before the prayer, and then I'll switch it. Okay. 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 Well, I, that brings us as uh, to. Hmm. Okay, so we'll leave it there, and um, before we get to the prayer, I'll look forward to the next time and continuing. And um, don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, from Place to Miracles. dot com, if you would like to check out Dr. Bob's book, read excerpts, and, and purchase your copy. Uh, ACIM.org to purchase a copy of A Course in Miracles. Spiritual Insights Radio is where you want to go to tune into the archives of Dr. Bob and me over the years discussing the course. Um, Don't forget, uh, we do have a brand new Spiritual Insights Library where you can find direct links to many of the books we recommend here. You can do that. Don't forget, we also have self-care on the website for you to explore. Okay, and Dr. Bob, anything interesting coming up? Or um, Well, um, yeah, there's uh, my new book will finally be released in mid-January of 2019. Uh, if you have any interest in A Course in Miracles, whether you've never done it or whether you've done it for 10 years, I think you'll find it to be a refreshingly different approach to it. It's titled From Nevermind to Evermind, Transforming the Self to Embrace Miracles. Uh, And as I said, that'll be out in um, mid-January. I think the 14th is the date that they've been tossing around. I will be posting some sections of it uh, either on my Facebook page, which is Robert Rosenthal-Author. I seem to be collecting friends like never before now because – People are hearing about things and wanting to join in. So if you want to, you know, just sort of stay in touch with what I'm doing, uh, conferences I'm involved in, uh, books coming out, articles, that's the best way to do it. Um, I do still have the website. Again, that's Robert Rosenthal-Author. I do still have my www.fromplaguestomiracles.com website. But at some point soon, probably a month or so from now, I'm going to be folding that into a new website, uh, which would just be Dr. Bob-Author, because, you know, I'm doing all of these other books. I can't have a website that's just named yeah. for my first book. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. There, there's a great sense. conference going on right now, uh, but I don't know whether, you know, by the time anyone's listening to this, it may not be available. It's, you know, Awaken to Love uh, and it, the website is www.awaken-to-love.com. It's free. It's the biggest course conference ever and has probably, I don't know, like you know, maybe 60, 70 different course speakers and discussants and authors. My um, goodness. It, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty wild, and it's all interviews and live sessions. So you don't have one person just giving you a lecture. It's it's much more dynamic than that, which I like far better. Okay. All that right. Sounds good. All right. Yeah, it is. All right. So 
All right. Um, and so we'll get to the prayer, and I will talk to you the next time. Okay, Dr. Bob? Sounds great, Char. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. All right, everyone. That's our show for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, God bless and be at peace. Spiritual Insights, everyone. Thank you for joining us for our A Course in Miracles virtual class with Robert Rosenthal, MD. In these segments, Dr. Bob and I break down specific sections to help you gain a deeper understanding of the concepts of the course. If you're new to the show, Dr. Bob is the co-president of the Foundation for Inner Peace, publisher of A Course in Miracles, having served on the Foundation's board of directors since 1992. He was a practicing psychiatrist and psychotherapist for 32 years before retiring to take on this position. He was introduced to the course in 1975 at the age of 20 by Judy Scutch and became a close friend and protege of Dr. Bill Thetford, co-scribe of the course. Dr. Bob is the author of From Plagues to Miracles, The Transformational Journey of Exodus, From the Slavery of Ego, Dr. Bob is the author of From Plagues to Miracles, The Transformational Journey of Exodus, From the Slavery of Ego to the Promised Land of Spirit, published by Hay House, which reinterprets the biblical story of Moses and Pharaoh as a parable of the mind's struggle to escape ego and identify once again with spirit. It is recommended you read this book prior to studying A Course in Miracles to effortlessly deepen your understanding of the abstract concepts presented in the course. If you would like to connect, visit FromPlaceToMiracles.com, where you can read excerpts and purchase your copy of From Place to Miracles, ACIM.org, as in A Course in Miracles, ACIM.org, to learn more about and purchase your copy of A Course in Miracles, as well as SpiritualInsightsRadio.com, where you can review the archives of our large body of work since 2013. Social media users can connect with us on our Facebook pages, From Place to Miracles, and Spiritual Insights Radio. So, for class today, we continue to explore Chapter 17, which focuses on forgiveness and the holy relationship. In our last segment, we offered our interpretations of the first several paragraphs in Section 3, Shadows of the Past. Today, we'll pick up with Paragraph 3 and continue. Well, let's get started. Welcome to the show, Dr. Bob. It's good to be with you once again. 